0: guys, and welcome back to the day two of IDA Summit 2.0. Hope you have been having a very thrilling and enlightening first half. I'm pretty sure you must have with all the interesting discussions taking place all around both the screens. Uh, nonetheless, it's time for something even more interesting to take place right now, which means it's time for our panel discussion, which is there. Uh, so welcome back to the AIDA Summit. Uh, this is architect Benita Goshal. I am the editor-in-chief of the East India Perspective. So the panel discussion, uh, that is the topic on which the entire discussion will be taking place, is entitled, Gradual seeping of technology in design process. So Indian architecture is obviously, it's like a fertile land. We have been able to seep in a lot of styles which are from various parts of the world. With technology is concerned also, we have not been very backward. We have been able to, you know, really experiment and create styles and create design ideologies, which are very modernist, very contemporary in their implementations. So this is what we are gonna be discussing about that how much has this seepage, has this entanglement happened Uh, what is the benefit of this sort of an entanglement, entanglement, which way are we headed, and so on and so forth. But of course, I uh, might be one of the people, but there are much more talented people here we have on the dais whom we are now going to bring forward. So first and foremost, let me introduce you to our moderator of this panel, which is Mr. Ram Khandelwal. Hi, Ram. So Ram is the founder of Urban Innovation Lab. He has over a decade of experience in urban sector consultancy, ranging from policy to implementation level in smart cities, housing, mobility, water, solids, and liquid waste management, and municipal infrastructure. His recent interests include sustainable spatial development, climate action, and urban innovation. So let's all welcome Ram. Thank you so much for being here. Going forward with the rest of the panelists, of our, this uh, very uh, amazing discussion that we are going to have. So, first, we have architect, we have Mr. Pankaj Bhagwatkar. So, Pankaj is the alumnus of architecture Kolhapur and graduated in the year 2009. He's the founding partner of studio PPBA with architect Pallavi Arvade and Pune, which supports interaction among designers and professionals at grassroots level to solve design issues. The ultimate aim, he believes, lies in bringing people together through design and creating opportunities for them to modify their own landscapes. Pankaj, we heartily welcome you to this discussion and genuinely hope that you have a lot of fun while discussing. And of course, we you know, are really looking forward to learning a lot. Next, we have Miss Sneha Gu- Gujar. Welcome, Sneha. Thank you so much for being here. So, of course, who doesn't know about you and your work? But still, let's just give you a very formal introduction. And after that, of course, we would love to hear everything from the horse's mouth itself. So with over 15 years of extensive experience of designing and leading institutional, industrial, residential and prestigious infrastructure projects across the country, Sneha is an architect and director of CEM Engineers. As the director of CEM Engineers, one of India's leading comprehensive consultancies for master planning, architectural design, engineering, and project management services, she has been instrumental in steering the growth of the growth trajectory of the firm for the past decade. So, we welcome all the panelists and the moderator on the dais. And, Ram, I would genuinely request you to please take it forward from here and let us all hear, all of you, you know, share all your thoughts and ideas, which I'm pretty sure will be something that we have never heard of and we are more than excited to be educated and to be learning about something new. So please Ram, take over.
1: Thank you, Vinita. Thank you for such a generous introduction. And uh, I'm so pleased to meet uh, the fellow panelists, Pankaj and Sneha who are here today. Uh, We will now start the panel discussion uh, on this. So just to set a context, uh, I would like to highlight a few points which I felt uh, over the last two decades, there has been a tremendous impact of digital technology on architecture profession. Uh, We have seen that uh, designers, interior designers, architects are using different kinds of tools to design, build, document buildings. They are digital tools which are used to communicate with clients, with other architects. One of very common, most common uh, tools that most of us use is 3D modeling, which is used to present how we visualize various spaces. We use animations, we use uh, various kind of 2D and 3D modeling techniques to showcase that how a building construction site will look before and after, so that to give a perspective that what we can expect from our designers and our engineers. With that uh we know that construction industry is the second largest industry in the world it includes construction of buildings uh, architectural work engineering works such as bridges roads railways pipelines dams canals and so many other things but we see that uh, this industry is largely dependent on uh, a lot of manual processes Uh, there have been a lot of uh, leakages within the sector a lot of uh, inefficiencies within the sector the current processes of designing building contract management is actually prone to a lot of uh, errors is uh, actually prone to a lot of uh, leaks because there's not a fully digitization which is available now it is, we are seeing new technologies like blockchain which is coming into play We see that uh, distributed ledger systems are being in place, which provides transparency to all the parties. All the parties can come on a common platform and can see how do they operate, uh, how do they exchange information, and how do they keep each other updated. In this world where climate change is a serious issue, we have to make the most of the resources that we have. With buildings consuming almost 40% of global energy consumption, We have to make the best of resources that we have and that is why digital technologies become very important and imperative to sustainable buildings with this context i would now like to kick off this panel discussion on our theme of this discussion today which is gradual seeping of technology in design process i would now like to invite our esteemed panelists to share their views on current trends opportunities and challenges in the technology application in architecture and building fields uh, with that i would uh, request my uh, fellow panelist mr pankaj bhagwatkar to come forward and uh, share his views with us over to you pankaj yep uh,
2: thank you ram for this uh, i think uh, first of all i will just you know uh, share the the small presentation uh, our works basically what uh, what we do uh, is it okay ram right am i audible hello yes you are audible please go ahead package. yeah i am audible right okay uh, good afternoon everyone uh, i am i am really thankful to ida team this opportunity. Uh, You can see this picture, you know, Uh, this is, this is painting done by the Picasso. Uh, I would like, uh, I mean, everyone is well-versed about this painting. I do like this and would love to have this on my decor, you know, in any of my wall. But the major difference between the art and architecture is we cannot hang architecture on the wall like this piece of art. So similarly, we cannot just make pretty buildings, we need to find the purpose for our buildings and at the same time, it should negotiate with the surrounding context as well. So you know, uh, we as a small team of architects here in Pune, we believe architecture should evolve from the place on which it stands. It should respond to the climate, functionality, available technology and the aspiration of the people, which is very important to us in the studio. Uh, This is um, one of the best building uh, in the world, I guess. Uh, um uh, this is uh, elora uh, uh, elora kailash temple uh, temple in elora in maharashtra this is so deeply rooted into the into the context which you know nobody can take out uh, uh, take out that mountain you know this is a temple which actually carved from the top and gradually uh, seep in, inside the mountain you know this the, the quality of the space and the, the i'm sure they have used the 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 best technology in in, thousands of years ago, uh, which uh, today also we cannot match with, you know, Uh, look at the plan. It has an order. It has that depth, you know, Uh, this is the best thing I guess uh, uh, the architecture should, uh, should speak about. Uh, So this is, I'm just sharing one of our project. Uh, This is one uh, uh, very small building in in the the city's skirts. This is one, uh, See these days, you know, we are very fond of using words like sustainable and green architecture very, very loosely, you know, uh, but what I believe is any process of building in itself is not sustainable. And I think as a community of architect, we must understand that, you know, and if we start, you know, uh, start understanding that part, then we can, you know, uh, leads towards the betterment of the society. So. So, as I say, this, the site is, you know, in, in the CP skirts, there the, in, on the site, there was a small dilapidated structure, which uh, you can see here. I will just quickly run through meticulously. We have, we have procured the material, which we can recycle it. And uh, many materials actually on site, we recycle, uh, we try to, you know, procure out of the site and uh, then try to uh, create and create and uh vocabulary throughout the project then even the materials you know this kind of benches we which we bought it uh, uh from the scrapyard uh, which is two kalyptos from our site and uh so everything i mean everything on uh on the site, which actually we bought it which is either a scrap or which we recycled from the previous uh, building which we del- uh, which we demolished and this is the small plan where you enter. You enter into the this grey portion. If you see, this was the actual uh, plinth of the old building, which we uh, which we use it so that you know we will not uh, we will not disturb the flora and fauna around. And uh, this was the kitchen courtyard water body. Actually, it is formed because of the existing contour on the site. Uh, which you can see on the in the section, parking and again the washrooms again it was an existing plane there. So basically our idea was to not disturb too much onto the site and the building should you know lightly sit onto that site without disturbing the surrounding. Uh, Again you know the many things on side this section as I said on the on the right of thing you can see the road and there was a gradual slope there. So we used it at the water body to enhance the microclimate there. And, uh, you can see how we, you know, started again, reusing those, uh, those material, which we procured from the existing building, even you, you know, you can see the, uh, the colors, you know, which was there in the old building, which, which we try to sensibly we, we keep it there only, you know, that, that, uh, uh, because this was, uh, uh, before there, where we intervened, I mean, so again, the Mangalore tiles, which we used, uh, uh, for the walls, uh, on the west side, you know, uh, and we purposefully we protruded out to get the shadows casted, uh, so that it will cool. Uh, that wall will cool itself, and it will cut off the harsh sun. Uh, this is the uh, during construction. These are the uh, one of the uh, I mean images which you can uh, feel the project. Um, so basically, the idea was to you know recycle everything. You know, uh, uh, these days, you know, we we. Try to call it green architecture, and I think green architecture is where you can, you know, save something, where you can use some some old thing, where you you know that is what is I think green architecture and sustainable architecture is all about. So these are a few uh, few references and images. I'll just quickly run through. So the second project which I'm talking about is an is an orphanage uh, orphanage building. Uh, So uh, basically uh, this is, this is, this was the plot there, this is the plot which is surrounded by the neighborhood and uh, which has access on from this side, the plot number seven actually which was the phase one which is, uh, uh, which we started working upon. And uh, then we started, you know, doing all this uh, study uh, before designing to understand the the mass of the building, but eventually we understood that if you see uh, those yellow portion will not have a natural light. Uh, Then we started, you know, splitting this building into two parts and creating a courtyard. Actually the courtyard, again, as I said, there is a neighborhood uh, all around. And uh, the courtyard actually is a, is a good example in the urban context, you know, that which will eventually will uh, combine the the, the the traditional spirit and the, the contemporary values uh, of that particular place, and then we did a sunpath analysis and uh, many things, which is, which actually leads us to you know uh, to have a uh, to have something uh, uh, something to cut off the glare from the south uh, east and west side, and to building open the building on the uh, north and south side and uh, as I, uh, actually uh, because of this also we got the uh, we got the privacy also from the immediate neighborhood uh, because this building is for the orphan girls so uh, the client didn't wanted to have any nuisance in future also so that was again a reason to uh, make these double walls actually this double it, it has a cavity and uh, which will again protect the building from the harsh sun again this uh, the staircase we placed on the east side where we can again block the neighborhood and uh, open the building onto the west where you can see on my screen where it has a sacred mountain on that side. We meticulously place the building on site where you can frame this uh, mountain uh, from any corner of the building. Then this is the section. Actually, we were bothering about the entry. Then we, we shifted this block from here to on the top of this. So this is how we got the entry. And again, you can see the pergola on top of it so that you can have the protection from the sun and you can have a nice uh, space inside. Uh, this is how the building actually in section looks like. Uh, as I said, this was, a, you know, the 4,000 square feet plot only. So uh, so eventually we wanted to have a space for the kids to play also. So we created this yellow portion for the kids. And at the below, we have played the dining and backyard. Again, I'll just, you know, quickly move through it. This is a section. There are various activities around it. There's a structural grid. Grid actually we worked upon, which is seven fifty mm, which I actually accommodated in that structural grid, which will accommodate the, all the uh, the bunk beds and everything, um, and and the same grid actually uh, we tried to put it onto the elevation as well. I mean, there is nothing ex- I mean extra elevation or something like that. So these are the plans. I'll quickly run through it. Uh, very simple plan, two blocks with a courtyard at the center this is the elevation and this is a, This is how the building actually sits into the context now and uh, uh, this is how the, uh, the the orphan kids have started using it um, as i said you know this this space has turned out to be a community space the the the, the village in in that in that particular the, the school in that particular village is uh, started using that uh, the, the space very you know actively they have a lot of functions throughout the uh, throughout throughout the year here in this space, and the the advantage of this is you know the the community started mixing with the orphan kids and the trauma which orphan kids had you know they're they're slowly they're coming out of it. I have seen it uh, and, uh, while visiting there. The space was like this, and you know you can imagine with the 200 kids sitting there. So there are a lot of other functions also happen. You know these are the uh, the the ladies, I mean, they had some function there. There are many functions actually happen. And this village is at the village people, they're actively using this community's place. Uh, I think this is very important, you know, in our architecture, it should celebrate. It has a power to, you know, to change the the, the community, how they should look at to the buildings, you know, it, it is not just a building. I think uh, it, it is it is something more than a building for the community. Uh, so these are a few images, I just, you know, take you through. So, yeah, it is not about the greatness of doing something for these little ones, but an attempt to share the responsibility of molding this younger generation within the society with little more love and affection. This is what we believe actually, I mean, uh, while we're doing this building, these are a few uh, reference images. I mean, these are few ongoing projects, which we are doing right now. Uh, which are again uh, for the society and for the communities it is not only for single handicapped uh, person in every project we try to bring the you know the the larger picture of the project whether that project is just you know 500 square meter but we try to see the uh, the major impact of that project how that particular building will be happen uh, will 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 affect the number, neighborhood and the surrounding how people will react to it so there are many things uh, which we think before and i think everyone should you know uh, this is what we believe i mean uh, these are a few ongoing projects uh, which are on the site, and uh, these are one small school which we are doing near primary in pune uh, these are one community center so this is one small house which we did for a farmer recently so this is one uh, one building which you are recently will finish in and pune itself is office building uh, so i'll end End my talk with this uh, small note, we live in a world with 21st century technologies, but the human is still a prehistoric. I believe we are still moved by the emotions and the beauty. And I think the architecture should cater to the primordial while it is on the cutting-edge technology. Uh, Thank you so much Uh, Ram, I think, uh, so um, over to you Ram. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Pankaj. Uh,
1: Thank you for a wonderful presentation and uh, thank you for showcasing us, taking us through those two projects uh, where you have tried to streamline uh, how sustainability fits into uh, projects seamlessly. And technology is not just uh, an application of uh, uh, definitely digital technologies are coming into play these days we talk about blockchain we talk about ai ml and we talk about uh, latest uh, uh, computer applications etc which uh, is changing the way but technology does doesn't mean that technology actually also means how do you make the best out of your resources uh, reengineering some of the processes and uh, trying to uh, make things more sustainable so uh, thank you for sharing those examples with us uh, i'm uh, i really curious about a few things which you discussed in your pro- project, Pankaj, and uh, it uh, uh, evokes a thought. Uh, see, uh, when you look at sustainability of a project or a campus, so like the one you uh, did uh, for uh, this uh, girls' uh, uh, orphanage. Yeah. So. Uh, how do you define sustainability so in first place uh, when you started looking at this site what were the initial thoughts uh, when you thought that uh,
2: these are going to be my key pillars of sustainability Uh, see actually before we intervene before we intervene on the site we actually visited many orphanages so there we we have we have seen many spaces, which is darker and, you know, there were not uh, habitable spaces. So, so we, you know, despite of having a tight site, we thought we will, we will, you know, at least have us uh, spaces, which is, which is has more light and ventilation, natural light and ventilation, obviously. So eventually that will lead us to, you know, a sus- towards sustainability and, and the, obviously the, my clients function, I think, that rationality in the design is very important uh, even you know uh, while having many things, uh, as i said i mean uh, in every project of ours we uh, we think about the neighborhood how the neighborhood will affect due to this project uh, in this particular project uh, we thought of you know that space which you seen on the ground floor which is actually for the community so that community slowly start seeping into the building and they'll start using it. And the, uh, on the above, they have the kids where without disturbing them, they, you know, they can stay on top of it. So, you know, this is just a small 4,000 square feet building, which can, you know, impact the entire village. Now they have a place where they can celebrate everything. Keep in mind every little, I mean, every little function they do it in here, uh, the depots of during the, the dashera, you know, they, every, every, uh, festival they celebrate here. I think, you know, that slowly leads these kind of things towards the sustainability, you know, because it is for the people, you know, uh, instead of, you know, just building pretty buildings, I guess, it, if we start understanding the needs of the people that will be the, uh, need of the time, I guess. Yes. Yes. I totally agree. I think, um, uh,
1: you have highlighted, uh, three very beautiful principle, Pankaj. First uh, is uh, community living, that how do you create spaces that actually are made for people uh, to whom this space belongs? How do we make it more interactive, more active, and more usable? And secondly, I think uh, you have very strongly highlighted that uh, what is the nature, uh, how do you let the nature uh, seep into it? And the third one is, how do you kind of create a social uh, uh, connection yeah. connection uh, between the people so very important points now uh, I would like to uh, take the discussion uh, on the second aspect of technology which is digital technologies and uh, I would like to uh, ask Pankaj yourself or maybe Sneha if you may want to respond uh, how do you think this new digital technologies is changing the way we practice architecture and interior design
2: I think Sneha can take, take it ahead. Mm -hmm.
3: I think uh, one, it is making uh, things accessible to a broader base, essentially, because uh, I feel a lot more uh, people have the power in their hands now because of technology so when you deal with clients you know that they can also go and see things they can also look things up they can also experience things uh, that's one and I feel uh, the process of design has become a lot more interactive so it's not uh, You're not talking in a language that the client doesn't understand. You can now actually feel and see and, you know, visualize and actually experience spaces the way you envision them in your uh, studio. So you are able to make them go through that experience much before it becomes a physical reality. And I think, uh, yeah, that... That is a positive step.
1: Thanks, thanks, Neha.
2: I, uh, I, too, I totally yeah. agree. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree with Neha. Uh, uh, because you know the client understand it in a in a better way when we show them uh, through this technology. When we show them three D or whatever. Uh, but uh, for us, uh, it's a slightly different uh, story. I mean, in our studio, we try to do a lot of you know physical models. You know. Uh, for us to understand the scale of it to understand the spaces how it's going to be we, we literally make the model of the entire villages uh, and then we try to you know the feel the, the, the building which is the, nevertheless of the scale i mean whether it is a small building or bigger building but you know we try to understand the scale of it and then you know after all this study a lot of sections and you know uh, sketches we made it and then we try to put it into the 3d for us, it's a different, little different process. I mean, we don't directly jump into the 3D or, you know, it is merely only for the client purpose, but not for us to understand uh, spaces. Uh, that's that's uh, very interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting.
1: So uh, how do you see a future of design changing now that we have these technologies, we have augmented reality. We have virtual reality uh, where people can uh, have that immersive experience of design. So like you rightly said, Neha, that uh, uh, now people can experience the reality even before it comes on ground. So we have so many technologies which are coming up. There are 3D modeling techniques. There are uh, 3D printing techniques which can be used for prototyping and so on. Uh, With these kind of technologies coming in and uh, given that we are in 2022, how do you see next five to ten years evolving? How do you see uh, the future of design process changing? Do you think uh, you will be interacting with your clients differently in coming times? Uh, Do you think uh, uh, your client can experience spaces in different uh, ways or the entire gamut of design is going to change. The process of design is going to be changed. Would it be more interactive? Would it be more collaborative? Uh, would it be more intuitive? Uh, how do you see these trends changing in future? Uncle,
3: why don't you go
2: ahead? Um, I think Sneha. OK, fine. Uh, <laughs> see, uh, definitely the future of design is uh, uh, through the technology only, I mean, because uh, over the period we have to, you know, as, as you know, I mean, in government, uh, like the big scale projects, we have to use the BIM model. Now, I mean, we don't, you know, we have to have that models, you know, we cannot work now, not the way we were using in the 1960s, you know, the when the Corbusier and these people were using, these are the time has changed, you know, we have to accept the technology and we have to go ahead. Uh, to making these uh, bigger projects to understand the complexities of it. We have to, you know, use the technology, you know, to, to get the required form of the building, to get the required space of the building. Sometimes, you know, uh, we cannot restrict to ourselves to, uh, uh, to the tools, which we have right now. We have to, you know, go with the, the modern technologies. Uh, th- this is what I think, you know, uh, there is no choice for us. I mean, uh, because the complexities has, because the changes and aspirations of the people has changed a lot. I mean, in, in, in 20 or 30 years ago, there were, you know, very less people were using the air conditioning and the, you know, the, 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 the other gadgets, gadgets, you know, so the, suddenly the requirements from the clients has been changed and we have to change ourselves to, you know, to, to make those uh, on the table. Uh, this is what I think.
0: Uh, Ram, if you don't mind, I would like to weigh in here a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's actually building upon what of course uh, Pankaj said, but in a, in, a, in a slightly different perspective. Like, uh, so I am a design journalist per se, and I need, my clients are architects. So, like, unlike uh, it's, it's a slightly different scenario, of course. But even from that standpoint, because uh, a lot of research even goes into that sort of thing. What I personally have felt in a lot of uh, scenarios is. Of course, we have to accept the technology. You cannot uh, say that, yeah, I will, uh, you know, work as you said, in a way that uh, buildings were constructed back then. But I think uh, with the technology coming in, we often have this habit, like as a normal person, also, that A, uh, we tend to uh, replicate how the technology has been used. So every scenario and every technology is also different. Okay. If, uh, for instance, if a particular type of uh, like you know air conditioning system works in the US or in the UK that might not be feasible or environmentally correct for India based on our AQI or based on our population or anything for that matter so using technologies obviously uh, the way ahead you have to use those things but I think the uh, one of the main aspects is to not be aping the technology rather molding it into your own format is one uh, very uh, because a lot of times this happens in in practice or uh, like that people tend to just take it up and paste it because yeah it looks very cool and it looks very modern but uh, unfortunately like air conditioners for that matter if if we talk about a very simple technology that came and now it's like uh, everywhere it is harming us, right? At the end of the day, now we have to work behind to reduce the carbon footprint and to uh, you know make sustainable or uh, green buildings and stuff like that. But the that so that was even a source of problem, even though it's when uh, you solved an issue. And one of the prime reasons was because we aped the technology. We did not think uh, to you know, kind of compose it in a way that suited us or that really proved the scenario to be perfect. That is one thing. Second thing is, I think, like, even though technology comes into the picture, and I think this is uh, us as designers, architects, all the creatives, the entire creative panorama I'm talking about. The one thing that we cannot have removed from the equation is the humane factor. Because with everything getting incorporated with technology, you might just start feeling like Iron Man. But (laughs) that's not the point of view I think any of the architect will want you will want to give the human, the human feeling, the humane feeling in any structure that you design. Even like yesterday, we were listening to a lot of architects who are metaverse architects and are designing structures for the metaverse, but they are also trying to incorporate elements into that W3 that is the World Wide Web 3D version, that, which is all being worked upon, wherein the human gets to feel that they're actually in a bedroom or anything of that sort. So definitely the humane concept should not be removed from the equation because I think then the whole solution goes to a toss and the whole equation fails. We just take that and leave, you know let the others
1: surpass. Uh,
2: I would like to add what uh, Binita is saying. Um, I mean, uh, even the Albert Einstein has quoted a, a long back, you know, the, the I fear the day that technology will surpass, surpass over human interactions, the world will have the generations of idiots. I mean, uh, so, so We must understand what amount of, what amount of technology we could use. You know, as I said uh, in my presentation, you know, we are a pre- prehistoric uh, human uh, animal, basically. So we are still moved by the emotions and the beauty, you know, uh, so technology, I understand, but uh, you know, the, the building must have all this, you know, the, the, the emotion this the scale you know the designers these are actually basically a, a a senses you know which we feel comfortable through and the problem these days we are facing is we see our buildings only through eyes I mean this visual appearance is so much all power to us I mean everybody you know we're trying to uh, to to design a building better than what we had the next I minute mean, but instead of I mean using the different different technology obviously but I think you know, Technology should not be overpowering to the design. I think. I think design should, you know, design. Technology should go with the design. You know, we should use only that technology. We should, you know, uh, it it should go with the design. It should not overpower to the design. That's what my point is.
1: Yeah, that's. Uh, I totally agree. I think um, uh, both of you, uh, wearing your architect's head have made a very relevant point that. Uh, we always say technology as an end or technology technology as a means so definitely technology is as a means is something which we all are looking for uh, we don't want to just put the technology just for the sake of putting technology so yeah i totally agree with you on that and uh, uh, when when we look at this technology so uh, what are the elements where you feel a technology is most relevant because you have been designing buildings on ground you have been implementing bridging on grounds so what are the specific things areas which you feel our uh, fellow architect friends should look into when they want to apply this technology so based on the projects which you have been doing on ground uh, what what are your learnings i i'm going to go ahead and
3: respond yes. to that i think um technology, incorporating technology in various scales of building beyond a certain scale technology is part and parcel of the design. Um, Because I work on certain large scale projects, I can tell you that it will be impossible to, to finish the design process if the technology is not in place. At the design process Level, so because the complexities involved are just too many. Um, Now, what we have observed is that technology is now also seeping into the smaller level projects. So, when you talk about smaller scales, our homes are also getting more and more intelligent. It's we we all know that airports or uh, you know large office buildings are all intelligent buildings. So there is back-end technology in all of those spaces. Now we see intelligent homes coming through. So we see that uh, technology is seeping into our homes as well. And there is no escaping it. So, But it makes sense to be prudent about where we use it, how much we use it, how much of like you said, air conditioning. Getting you know key points back in terms of after the design phase, in the operational phase, well, did you over design? Is there are there losses in the system to plug all that? So it's actually got to be a complete cycle. It cannot be an open-ended, uh, okay, at design phase, you have technology at construction, which, which is what you were talking about, that it's a complete cycle. Construction industry, when you talk about architecture, it's not just on the drawing board. It's, it's on the site, it's after execution, and then it is coming back to you as a feedback. So I think technology throughout the process needs to be incorporated.
1: very very interesting uh, sneha uh, pankaj uh, do you have any thoughts on this
2: um, yeah well uh, for the larger scale what uh, sneha has mentioned is has to be go through because of the com- complexity she is, uh, perfectly mentioned you know because of uh, but you know i i think uh, i'll come just you know one step before that you know Sometimes you know, uh, clients have so much aspirations, you know, sometimes they don't need it, you know. So, as an architect, our role comes there, you know. See, like she said, I mean, uh, the smart homes, I mean, uh, so I, so some, let's say, some, uh, some families, you know, they have a lot of monies but you know, they have an aspirations to build the. It's an example, you know, that, so they are asking to build a smart homes because somebody of their relative stays in U.S. or somewhere, you know, out west. So they saw there and they somehow tries to get into their houses now. So there, you know, our role is very important to, to tell them what is right and what is wrong according to their life living standard you know, or living lifestyle. Let's, say, let's not call it a standard, but living lifestyle. What is good here? As I think Vinita mentioned, what is good? into this context, what fits into this climate is very important. You know, uh, these days, you know, I see, uh, I see offices like uh, the air uh, with the glass facades everywhere. And again, see glass is a fantastic material to get the light in. But the problem in India is uh, the light gets uh, glare inside the building. And to stop that glare, we again put on the air conditioning and to stop that glare, we put the blinds then inside just to cut off that glare. Then we put the, uh, the blinds, then uh, in the daytime, we get the less in light inside. So we need to put the lights up. I mean, this is like crime, I'm saying. I mean, so we must, you know, tell our clients, you know, one step, I'm just coming one step before what is the, tip. so that first step is very important to us. I mean, we literally spend a lot of time, you know, to intervene, uh, what is good and what is not good. I mean, that, I mean, I think. Uh, some little critical thinking has to happen, I mean, uh, technology is good, but at what level, whether it is needed or not needed, I mean, that is the question to be asked, I guess.
1: Very, very pertinent point, Concord, um, I think, uh, technology with a purpose. Vinita, uh, yeah. I have a very interesting question for you. Uh, uh, okay. uh, so, see, uh, Benita, you have been covering a lot of, uh, as a journalist, you have been covering a lot of uh, uh, news around architecture and design. And uh, you have must have been seeing a lot of new modern examples of, uh, 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 new examples of architecture and so on. So, with this technology coming in, what is the trend which you are seeing in market? So, we have two practicing architects here and we have you who's looking at contemporary projects right now across the country. So, what do you see in which direction this is going?
0: So, see, if I specifically like talk about uh, enabling and the direction, I was uh, if I just talk about both of it. Firstly, what I see happening a lot, which of course gives me a lot of happiness, uh, that architects are really getting to experiment with their creative prowess. You know, today, if uh, like like quite a few years back, uh, if we had to think about really, what should I say, quirky structures, if I just like, would like to call it, Zaha Hadid was the only name that came into picture. Because she was the one, you know, there was this entire story, which I think every architecture college teacher told their student that she throws a paper and the shape that it takes and that is what she designed. And everybody thought, Ki, yaar, you know, I wish even I could do that. And but it was not possible because, again, technology was more, much more expensive. It was difficult in a certain context. context it couldn't happen. But now slowly, slowly, if you see even in India, for that matter, a lot of challenging towers, high towers and uh, twin towers and they stand a lot of steel, a lot of, uh, you know, but there, yesterday only we saw a project where they have used like steel arches and stuff like that which, you know, actually make you feel like you're a part of some, you know, a Jetsons uh, or some Avengers movie. So definitely I would say that uh, it is amazing to see how well architects are getting the scope, you know, to test their creativity and actually push it through, punch it through and implement it as well you know uh, that is what makes me happy about the whole thing now answering your question a question more directly regarding the trend that i see is what again i would like to i I might sound a little repetitive is the part that i really uh, do not like is that again that part where people uh, or a lot of uh, architects tend to ape it you know there are a lot of uh, people that i have seen that like, uh, again, Pankaj said that a particular relative, yeah, they have seen it. So now the client demands for it. So I can understand as the architect's position that they probably can't help it. But that's what they end up doing. Like, just a uh, few days before I um, met this friend who has got this, they're very affluent and they got a house. It's a like a G plus one and they have a lift installed. So my simple question was, why is there a lift for a one floor? He said, my parents are old. I said, ramp. Ramp. Would have worked out, or I'm pretty sure there are any other solutions which could have been much more cost efficient and energy efficient. More importantly, which uh, a lift was not required in a G plus one structure, but it was some architect who was uh, who designed it, and yeah, they did it. So I think as architects. Uh, The trend might be, the trend is definitely, as I said, creativity is the trend, I feel. A lot of creative structures are coming forward and that is really very, very inspiring to see. And when you see those things, it really blows your mind. But having said so, uh, every architect has two kinds of projects. Yesterday, uh, an architect very carefully stated that there are always two kinds, two, three kinds of projects that are going on in an architect's office. One is the ones which you publish and the ones which you put out. And there are ones that you run the studio with, which is obvious. I mean, it's a practical world. Nothing runs on, you know, just like that. So while I absolutely, uh, mean the best of the best is what obviously you'll put forward, where which, which will be probably very energy efficient and everything. Don't give like the ones that you're doing for the studio. As architects, we might have the potential and the power to be able to influence the a good strategy or a good advice to our people whom we are dealing with as well. I know beyond a point it's impossible. I absolutely understand that beyond a point your client will not understand. And then obviously I will never say that, you know, architects should, should just not do the project. Definitely not. But I guess that core principle of, you know, doing what is, uh, you know, using the, see, I mean, technology means a lot of things. So there is an architect who designs, uh, I think, a conditioner out of um, terracotta. Phones. he became really popular I think he's a part of uh, Ida also a little later probably I'm not sure but yeah out of terracotta cylinders is what he created a natural air conditioner yes it has its constraints definitely I'm sure it has its constraints a lot of other people are experimenting with a lot of other kinds of stuff yesterday we saw a very interesting video where an architect was making uh, so basically uh, the type of sand that cannot be used in construction there is a particular type of grain of sand that cannot be used they have used technology to, you because that sand is what is available in their local. So in order to, you know, kind of use the local material, they have manufactured that sand into a brick. They have used mm-hmm. certain, you know, systems and chemicals and used that technology to effectively use that sand into making bricks for low-cost housing. So that is using a, lo- a local material, and yet you're solving a problem with the help of technology. So technology is the hand which is being provided to us. Which way we hold it, and which way it is being used to, to, to hold what is, I think, in the you know lap of the architect or the designer. And yeah, so that's how I feel it should go about.
1: That's that's really interesting, really interesting, Vinita. Yeah, Pankaj, please come in. Uh,
2: there are two points, I guess. I I, I want to uh, take it ahead from the Vinita's uh, uh, statement. Uh, see, there are, uh, the problem, again, is uh, uh, how we see architecture i mean as you mentioned in every architects office there are three types of project you know uh, but the problem is why we are dist- why we are distinguishing like that i mean why we call this particular building as a good and this particular building as a bad see i'll give an example one of my very good friend i mean he is practicing in pune he does all the factory building so he says those are like i mean we don't architecture see see why you know our factory building works better than what you know what we sometimes designs you know it, it, because it is a it is a it is a machine you know they make it a machine which runs very effectively see we need to change our mind to see architecture somehow in our in our education system we have been told us like this is good architecture this is bad architecture w- whatever works no it is designed for me at least so we need to start comparing ourselves like this is good architecture, this bad architecture, whatever finishes early, whatever which earns the money, which is good architecture and which takes a lot of, you know, efforts, those sensibilities, so sorry, not sensible, but you know, space, quality, light, you know, this is good architecture, we need to stop calling it, we need to start understanding the problem of the society and we need to just solve it simply, if it is a factory building, just solve the problem there. If we start solving the problem of the society, you know, eventually we'll be in you know, a right track. This is what I think. We need to stop analyzing the brackets because, you know, the coming generations, you know, they might, you know, take it in a very different way. For them, only Zadi does good architecture and maybe the Peter Zantar doesn't do good architecture. Might happen like this. So we need to, you know, start solving the problems. We need to stop, you know, uh, bracketing it. This is what my personal opinion is about architecture and uh what i forgot now the second point was which i thought um, okay maybe i will remind them maybe i'll intervene in
1: between no worries. Please, please uh, do add uh, as you recall it uh, so see very interesting point uh one of the points with, with premise with which we started see 40 percent of our uh, carbon emissions are from building sector so uh, when you are practicing and implementing buildings, energy efficiency is one of the areas which is really very important. Uh, what is advice? What's the advice you would give to your fellow architects in order to make energy efficient buildings? And what kind of technologies? These could be vernacular technologies. This could be uh, traditional technologies. This could be uh, new age digital technologies. What technologies uh, have you seen working really well uh, to make? more energy-efficient buildings? Um,
2: um, (laughs)
1: Sneha? You are under the spotlight, Sneha.
3: Um, What kind of technologies I have seen in energy-efficient buildings? Um, I think uh, in my experience, a lot of uh, this has to do with the construction process. I'm talking from my experience, and when I talk about the projects of a certain scale, how construction, uh, the process, is uh, handled, what kind of uh, technology you employ is very important during the construction process. So you might envision something on the drawing board. But when it is actually getting constructed, if there is a gap, or if you do not choose the right process or the right monitoring, or the right checks and balances, um, you really can't deliver sustainability. So I think that is where it all it all comes down to the process of construction.
1: Very interesting. Uh, um, Anything you would like to add, Pankaj?
2: See, for sustainability, I think, try to save at least a single thing from every project. I mean, try to minimize, let's say, try to save at least a brick. I mean, instead of using, it's an example I again, mean, Instead of using, let's say, Flemish and English bond, you just use a rattrap bond. I mean, you can save a lot of bricks and all. See, the wall thickness will remain the same, nine inches. Eventually, you will have the uh, the cavities also, which will again uh, help to you know uh, reduce the harsh sun, which actually our uh, continent has. So, you know, just try to save simple things, which will automatically lead you to the sustainability. This is what I think and have a rational plan. I mean, spend a lot of time because, you know, I believe plan is a generator. You know what Corbusier said is it's perfect, you know, try to work out the plan. So rational, you know, you don't, you minimize the corridors, you know, minimize this footprint, even have a uh, sections cutting through it. You know, if you have the rational plan and you know, the, the zoning and everything correct, it will definitely, uh, uh save a lot of energies, you know, even, Try to get the natural lighting so that you know you don't spend too much. uh, These are all basic things. You know we just need to follow it. I guess Uh, the problem is when the project comes to us. Now we try to make it so. uh, I mean, try to make it so big. You know, uh, forget about the client's aspirations. Our architect's aspirations is so big. I mean, sometimes we try to make it student level so we need to just you know try to minimize it and what we need to deliver what it really required I guess so it will definitely lead to the sustainability
1: thanks thanks bang I think uh, very very relevant points uh, simply by just by changing the configuration of big bonds or just by looking at uh, what is the width of uh uh corridorsc yeah,
2: binita said I mean binita gave an example uh where uh uh, somebody has made the bricks, you know, out of those, uh, uh sand. And these are all small, small things. If you start, you know, utilizing it, we just need to see things around. I mean, we need to spend a little more time on the site, what site offers to us, to the design. So just little more time we need to spend. And the problem is we don't have time. I mean, this is the biggest issue again, I mean, because the client who needs a design the next day, I mean. But as an architect, we need to restrain ourselves. We need to spend little time. I think small small things which we can change a lot, I guess. Very interesting. And Vinita, uh, what, what, what
1: you have been seeing in industry, uh, how industry is uh, dealing with energy efficiency?
0: Like a price tag, I think. <laughs> It is like a 500 meter you know some race which if you you know go ahead with there's something for you you know so i have like a lot of times when i really like let's say like the design of a structure or obviously i like the fact that it is energy efficient so if i'm talking to specific people and uh you know they don't forget to mention it it's a five star rated building so <laughs> <laughs> I mean um, of course that is important that is important but even as an uh, enthusiast forget architect or forget designer I would like to know how it happened right how did you reach this particular level of optimization even uh, if we get into specifics like numbers like, it, like how much percentage are we saving on what or et etc cetera, et cetera and of course I have met people on the other side also who have not cared about you know whether it has uh, been picked up by CNN or not but they have cared about the fact that the places that you know it has been used in what sort of a difference has it, has it made like just a while back I was stating about this architect who has created this conditioner uh, out of terracotta uh, cylinders so I remember having a discussion he said that it's installed in one of the factories Okay, it was very hot in the factory and therefore they installed it. And of course, uh, so the uh, owner did not want to spend on air conditioning. And I think maybe air conditioning was not a solution to that uh, scenario because again, it was a factory for some reason. I'm not, uh, I can't recall it, it was a long back discussion. But I remember, uh, so once what happened, it broke down. It uh, had a little bit of an issue oh. and it broke down. So immediately he gets a call wherein uh, said, please come and fix it because it's getting hot. So he said, I, I felt so good that actually it was able to bring down the temperature to a limit that its breakdown affected the people to notice it. Because if it was not cooling or, you know, providing the service, you would have not felt the difference if it broke down or anything happened to it. So it's it's just things like that. So I have met people on both sides of the radar is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Okay. Um, Some which treated like, as I said, a certificate or whatever star or whatever it is. And some who have actually uh, spent, if we talk about like architect Sanjay Prakash, okay, he's very well known uh, from Delhi uh, for sustainability or green. I mean, few of his projects or even for that matter, um, there are more architects, you know, uh, Brinda Somaya for that matter. Yes, Uh, so many amazing architects who have done great work in the field, but they have never, like pankat stated, you know, stated it like sustainable architects or green architects or anything of that sort. It's no it's good to know your USP. Of course, it is good to know your USP or the radar you're working on. But uh it's not just about ki wo tag lag gaya ya yeah, I don't know, you just used use certain uh, you know char solar panel laga diya to, yeah it's green you know we are using solar energy or something like that it's it's the entire you know sustainability as a concept is just not about again energy efficiency right it is to do with even the mental health of the people who are staying or using that particular exactly. property exactly so sustainability the whole term sustainability means something that can be sustained or remain the same way maintained the same way it is throughout its lifespan or its life term of course entire realization is not possible but yes like i don't know building a school with a different ideology wherein students are actually interacting and learning from nature right because at the end of the day we even as architects when we are designing structures and a lot of structures which eventually even get celebrated for their, uh, you know, amazing designs have somewhere have always have a connection with nature. I mean, a lot of even again, in this one, the technology questions we had uh, previously on yesterday, also people said, where do you start? Like when students ask them that where should we start from? They said, start with nature. Uh, always notice how nature is using and what technique are they, is nature using to do this particular thing, then replicate it and use helping a, a, a hand of technology. Is where that comes into picture. So sorry, I digressed a little bit. But yeah, coming back to your question, it's just that like, uh, it's treating the whole concept as a concept, you know, as an idea that helps to make the lives and, or, or for the matter of the world, a better place, rather than taking it as a singular property. Because then it's just, again, it's wasted effort.
1: Thank you. Uh... Thanks, thanks, Vinita. Uh, So um, I think uh, now I'll just take one more last question from my side and then if we have any questions from audience we can take that up. Uh, So uh, I would first like to ask this to you Sneha and then Pankaj. Uh, As an architect uh, uh, what are the challenges that you see that you face when you have to ensure sustainability in a building And uh, uh, how do you address them? So we have a number of architects who have joined us today to know about design, technology, sustainability. So uh, please tell us a few challenges which you have faced in addressing sustainability. uh, And uh, how do you uh, address them? And if technology has uh, helped you in some of these things. Over to you, Sneha.
3: Yes, I I believe uh, there are challenges that we faced in terms of when we talk about sustainability on projects. Um, I'm going to give you an example of uh, government projects. It is now mandatory for certain government projects to have sustainable practices uh, incorporated in the design itself. Right, which is, I think, a big push. Now, educating the client is one challenge when we talk about sustainability, which is, uh, again, which is what Pankaj was also talking about, that we should be prudent in what we suggest. So yes, when we choose systems in our design and when we know that they're going to be scaled up to a certain level, we have to be prudent in the selection. That is one challenge amongst all the available options that we have today, because we have various options. And when we go up in scale, suddenly, the numbers change, like we say, you know, mm-hmm. everything adds up to numbers. Whether it is in terms of time or it is, it is in terms of money, so those are challenges that we face on uh, larger projects. And uh, I forgot the second part of your question.
1: If you can yeah, repeat that. Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll repeat that. Uh, um, one is what are the challenges do we face, and the second is uh, how do we address those challenges, and if technology. Uh, can help in addressing some of those areas if you have seen that.
3: Okay. So technology definitely, um, because there was one such project that uh, we worked on. In fact, uh, that's under construction right now and uh, where the roofing system became very important, you know, because uh, in our kind of climate, we have a lot of heat gain from the roof itself. And what kind of roof system we keep, uh, that becomes very, very important. Now, because of the availability of certain softwares, and and which is technology now, we were able to assess what kind of heat gain we we were able to cut down, what kind of temperatures we were able to get by proposing the alternative system. And after comparing these two systems, we were able to give a better solution to the government, which in turn is a cost saving as well. So I think in the end, it is a win-win for everybody. And that's possible through technology.
1: Very interesting, very interesting examples, Neha. And I think a lot of our young and budding architects do face these kind of issues, and uh, uh, these kind of solutions can be really uh, helpful for them uh, when they are practicing on the projects. Uh, I'll now, uh, move the mic to Pankaj. Uh, Pankaj, uh, uh, any any challenges which you have seen, and uh, how would
2: you have addressed them to
1: achieve sustainability?
2: Uh-huh. See, the challenge is only at you know the time constraints and the the freedom for design. You know uh, these are the major challenges I mean, these days I feel, I mean, uh, and then again, uh, what Sneha has mentioned, uh, uh briefly, but, uh, because you know, the point again, why I'm saying time, because you know, if we spend good amount of time on any design, it will definitely leads to uh, it's betterment. And uh, unfortunately we are running out of time always. I mean, as designers, and again the freedom of design, I say it. I mean, so definitely technology can help into this uh, many times, uh, where we can save a lot of time by using certain you know certain tools. Uh, uh, we are building one. Uh, We're designing one building in Bijapur, which is for the uh, for the women actually. These are the widows around, and we are making some facility buildings for them. So, so there we uh, we use you know. Uh, many technologies like we uh, uh, it, is, it is a dry area basically they don't have literally water to uh, to construct also so we measured all the uh, the groundwaters you know these are the kind of technologies otherwise we would not have understood the the the, the depth of the water uh, went to 750 meters you know sorry 750 feet it's so deep you know there so you know these are things which you know leads us to design that particular thing. We are you know make so many things to recharge the every building has now I mean change the entire design has been changed you know so so definitely technology helps in a better way you know to understand the site uh, to understand the the context in a better way I guess uh, so stick to the basics and uh, uh, and use the appropriate technology I guess that is what I can say at the end. Thanks.
1: Uh, thanks, Pankaj. I think we have some questions coming in from uh, audience. Uh, very interesting question. Uh, so is India lacking technological awareness? Uh, Sneha?
3: No, I I don't think uh, India is lacking technological awareness. Um, Definitely not, uh, because I think now with the boom that the construction industry has seen and the kind of uh, buildings and facilities that we are building, I don't think... uh, We are
1: lacking any technological awareness. Okay. Very well noted, uh, Sneha. I think uh, uh, you made it loud and clear that uh, we do have the skills uh, to implement the latest technologies, uh, and we are doing it. Uh, Next question I have from the audience is uh, I'll read it aloud. Pankaj, um, maybe you want to look at it. Technology is a tool that is what has been taught to us. But does nowadays designing is much driven by softwares and not by creativity? Or are the software the extension to push our
2: boundaries? What do you feel? See, I partly feel yes. I mean, uh, because um, for me, I guess, uh, any software should not come in a in a uh, early of the design process. Uh, only you know, unless and until you have some different form which actually you needed on, or maybe some different uh, thing you really wanted to have, then only you can uh, use the technology. Otherwise, you know, in the very initial stage where you and your sketchbook might be, or your maybe or might be you know something. I I feel technology should not be your part i guess to our design ideas sometime you know uh, some certain software i know that is why this form has become like this so that is uh, i guess we restrict to ourselves i mean i'm saying uh, make yourself so strong that you you'll be able to draw it at least on an initial scale you know to get those ideas you know into the into the paper first and then you you transfer that slowly and develop it into your computer, maybe what are the technology may be 3d modeling and you know, so on, so on, so on. So see, slowly you start using the technology, not, but in very initial stage where you, it, it may, you know, leads to somewhere else where you don't want it to land up. So uh, this is what my point of view on this
1: very interesting. Vinita, uh, I would like to uh, buzz you here, uh, so uh, this entire concept of being technological aware, uh, when you are meeting uh, the architects in the field, uh, what is the general response you get? How, how uh, pro or anti-technology uh, they are? Uh, what, is, what is your uh, uh, assessment on this?
0: Uh, honestly, I don't have one reason being it's very diverse, you know, it's a very first, it's it's almost like a personal design choice, right? I mean, uh, it's almost like choosing your favorite architect or something like that. Everybody has a very specific sense of design, has a very specific sense of style. Uh, not, ev- uh, you know, if I mean only softwares, if I go by by technology, if I just stick to softwares then that. Honestly, is not everybody's cup of tea right it's not something that everybody will love doing or love implementing okay but then uh some of them have done it because uh like architect Pankaj says that probably they have come up with a form that they need the help of certain softwares to be able to implement it so yes they have done it and there are some who are really great at it i would say you know and they have utilized it very efficiently to create structures which are not only aesthetically you know pleasing and beautiful but um are also very beneficial to the or to the current scenario that they have designed it so honestly when i uh when if you ask assessment wise i really don't i can't give you a particular answer that you know people are preferring this over that on that i uh, genuinely don't feel yeah again when it completely depends on which office which architect? What sort of designs they are dealing with, and uh, so on and so forth. So now I will. I, I I don't think like there will be a architect who does uh, or is a met, you know metaverse office or somebody like that who will say that no I don't like software. Okay, they will not say that. Yes, there might be a like yesterday I think there was this architect we were speaking to guy I, I, I forgot her name, uh, and she is a metaverse architect and she very uh, clearly said that yes I do this for a living and I love it. But uh, in my heart, I'm still a little girl from Portuguese who, you know, has seen small houses and small cities. So, yes, I would like to make that better. So, see, that, that that's a very personal choice and a feeling, right? So, no, there has never been a very clear-cut inclination that anybody has ever given me that. Because actually, can anybody come up and say that, no, I will not use software or it is bad? It's It's just impossible to say, or technology again bringing the you know the elephant in the room the term back you cannot say that no I will not use it everybody's kind of we are bound to use it it has become uh that's how the things roll right now but uh yeah that's about it it's a very personal thing
2: yeah yes please yeah, I understood, uh, uh, but we must understand if I, I hope this question is from the students and, uh, uh, but you know, still uh, the human moved by the love and the beauty of the buildings, you know, the emotions of the building, which technology cannot create, you know, unfortunately. So understand this and uh, so we have to use it as per the need only, I mean.
1: I I totally agree uh, with both of you. Uh, we have uh, the last question of the session today from another uh, attendee. Uh, I saw a MVRDB lecture uh, regarding the technology adaptation, and also saw a few early adopters uh, in our country. Uh, does that mean that uh, our historical value and architecture is lost? i don't Anyone think
2: know. so yeah, yeah see i don't think so it see um uh, now I, i'll give an example i mean uh, see in 630 bc i mean the egyptians has done uh, the pyramids you know the many things actually they have done there so and now you know it's it's been foolish if i do the same practice you know I. I I can do it in a better way to using the technology, technology doesn't mean we are losing our historical values and architectural values. See understand, we need to understand architecture is for the people, you know, it's, we are taking it the other way around, you know. Uh, So if we start understanding this simple phenomenon is, uh, then we'll start understanding the values and the culture of the place, you know. It doesn't mean if I do a glass building or, a, or a, a steel building that will you know, uh, in, let's say right in front of the, let's say Taj Mahal that doesn't, you know, spoil it. This is what I think this is my personal view, but it should have meaning proper, you know, it should have a, a function, you know, it should, I mean, it should, it should tell a story about that particular building, why it has been done in this way, particular way. And this was the only, maybe the only way or maybe, so there has to be a story, you know, otherwise. Uh, but uh, I mean, I don't think this historical value and architecture value will be going lost if we start using the technology. But I'm saying we should use it in a appropriate way. I mean, we should have a stories to tell. We should have ideas into it. The problem is we talk again about the material so much. You know, we start losing the sense of the building. We start losing the spaces of the building. We start losing the function of the building. It's only about to You know how we see building, how it looks pretty from the outside, how, how my other colleagues will see the building and they'll praise it. So we need to stay this aside and we need to start creating a new culture with the new problems of the society. Look at this, the COVID, no? And because of the COVID many things has been changed. I mean, so we have to change. Change is the only constant, I guess. And it won't affect anything unless, until we have the real, uh, real, what I guess, a real meaning uh, by doing this. So it won't affect, I guess.
1: Great,
3: I, I, great, completely, great agree. I completely agree yes. with you, I think, uh, assuming that historical value and architecture is lost is assuming that uh, architecture is frozen. In time and space,
2: yeah, and that's our the beauty
3: definition, our definitions of uh, both need to evolve, and technology is a tool for that evolution.
2: Exactly. Great.
1: Very, 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 very thought-provoking uh, points, uh, uh, Pankaj uh, Sneha. Uh, so we are almost at the end of our session, and uh, now uh, before we uh, conclude this session. Uh, I'd like to request uh, uh, Sneha, Pankaj, and Binita uh, for you to uh, give any uh, clo- any closing remarks or advice that you have for our young architects uh, who are working in design and technology space. Uh, any words of wisdom from your side? Sneha? Uh, well, um... Uh
3: words of wisdom. Just uh, follow your heart because eventually good architecture needs to touch you.
1: Wow. Definitely your statement has touched our hearts Sneha. <laughs> <laughs> and it does with young architects as well. Thank you. Apankaj.
2: Yeah, the same thing what Sneha said and uh, ask the right questions. Because uh, the moment you are asking the right questions to anybody, to, your, to yourself, to your client, to your side, you know, you'll start uh, uh, to start looking for the answers. Then, I mean, that is very important. But the first one is what Sneha said. <laughs>
1: totally agree. So uh, those are two mantras we have. And Vinita, uh, any words of wisdom from the industry?
0: I think uh, there are far more talented people right here on the dais to be giving the advice. I think I am I should be, I still should be, I'm, I'm still on the receiver's end. So definitely I am taking the advice here. So definitely I think it will be uh, not fair. So no, I have nothing per se, but yeah, definitely do follow what uh, our architects of the generation are saying. I am pretty sure it's going to happen. So yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I would now like to give my heartfelt thanks to our esteemed panelists, Sneha, Pankaj, Vinita, who have been active participating to this discussion for such an interesting discussion, a thought-provoking discussion. I personally feel uh, a lot enriched uh, with such interesting thoughts, and I hope that uh, our attendees, uh, young architect and designer community, have also benefited from this discussion uh while we take adieu uh stay tuned for more events lined up during the day and thank you and have a good day thank you so much
0: okay so with that we come to the end of this panel discussion that is the seepage of technology in indian architecture but yes after a short just a very short break we will be back with much more interesting content uh, thank you, or uh, a big thank you from on behalf of the team of IIDA to Ram, to uh, Sneha, and to Pankaj uh, for being such enlightening and enriching panelists who absolutely uh, aided us to think in ways uh, that are new, innovative, yet different. Might be harsh, but absolutely the re- absolutely re- re- reality. Yeah, so. Uh, with that, I'll also take you leave. But yes, uh, I'm sure we are going to be starting off soon again with some very interesting discussions and panels and workshops. So stay tuned. Don't leave the dice.